The Georgetown Hoyas are Big East Tournament champions and NCAA bound. Coach Thompson, I know you love it, big fella. All right, hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Towel, a Georgetown basketball podcast brought to you by Thompson's Towel. I'm your host, Armin Heritunian, back here once again with uh, my co-host, Bobby Vogel. And we also have a special guest with us today, uh, a friend from Thompson's Tell, a fellow contributor, Jack McSherry. Guys, family. Family. He's Thompson's Tell doing? family. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me, Armin and Bobby. I guess uh, I'll give a brief 10-second uh, information about who I am. I'm from... Uh, from New York, senior, uh, obviously at Georgetown, and uh, excited to talk about Georgetown basketball. Yeah, I should note Jack. Jack also is a an expert in the sports space. He has interned for the New York Metropolitans, um, among others. So Jack is a true sports knowledge expert that we're very thankful to have with us today. Even even though he interned for the Mets and not their superior franchise in the city, the Yankees. You know, I just want to make that clear that there's a slight disconnect there. But we're not going to talk about that. That's, this, is a, uh, this is a Georgetown basketball podcast. Um, so I guess we should just get right into uh, what's happened in the past week, right? I mean, uh, starting off with the uh, – we, we had a loss to TCU, which, you know, not, not the ideal way to end on conference play, but I guess it was, uh, it was a tough game and just – did not go in our favor. Um, yeah, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, I had the blessing of attending the TCU game in person. Um, stuck around. My family was was there and everything. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely a tough game. As everybody knows, Dante being injured is kind of that, you know, easy way to kind of uh, accept the loss. I mean, I don't know. It was a frustrating game to watch because we did look like we were in it until the very end. Not super well attended, but it was the TCU game. Everyone was home from break, so I mean, not a whole lot. Not, I don't know how much there is to say about the TCU game. Yeah, no, I, you was. know what? It was it was honestly impressive to see that we held on to that game for so long. It was a competitive game, and in my mind, it was a game that could have gone either way. Just the fact that we didn't have Dante Harris probably was the nail in our coffin, the final nail in our coffin. But like. It's whatever. It's the last game of non-conference play. We're more interested in what's going to go on in the future rather than what happened yeah, in the past. Exactly. It was. I mean, it was pretty much you know every possession back and forth until like the four-minute mark when they went on that final run that we just couldn't come back from. So, you know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, like you guys said already, I'm not looking too much into it um, from a negative side of things, especially since we didn't have Dante. So. Yeah. And then, I guess, more recently, we had the, uh, actually, what would be happening, like, in two hours from when we're recording this would have been the Providence game, which obviously got postponed, or not postponed at this point. It's been uh, canceled and called a forfeit as, uh, you know, as per the Big East rules so far. Um, I guess, what do we think about it? Like, like it's not, I, I think that we're seeing other conferences change their rules. And I don't think personally we would have won this game if it had been played, but still, like a forfeit does not look too great. So I mean, what do we think? Yeah, I, I'll let's go. You know, honestly, let's go right into Coach Crouch's tweet about it, which I think probably sums up like so many people's, uh, you know, 
I guess, opinions on this. Uh, I'm trying to find the, their direct tweet, but, you know, he pretty much just said, you know, it's not fair to... Um, yeah, he says he says forfeit rules were birthed out of a desire to motivate or punish programs that elected to not get vaccinated or, at bare minimum, make the vax optional for their players. So a fully vaccinated team being punished for following rules, you know, he basically is just saying it makes no sense. So, you know, I, I think a lot of conferences are, are realizing that it's not the the best way of handling it. Um, and, I, I, you know, a lot of conferences have already kind of revised those rules. So hopefully the Big well, East, yeah. um, you know, kind of follows that way of doing things. But we'll- I, I think these rules, these rules were put in place, like, in a completely different time in this pandemic, right? When there were a lot less cases and we had a lot better idea of what was going on. And with this new wave just coming on, I think it's completely turned these rules on their heads. And it's made them illogical when they were originally pretty logical. I mean, they, when these uh, these rules were made, I think we could all agree that they were pretty decent, like, for the time. Yeah, but totally. now they just make no sense. sense. They make no sense. So, yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely see these conferences, especially the Big East, going back on it and saying, okay, they're no longer forfeits. Totally. I mean, I was listening to Ion College Basketball, which is CBS's podcast with Gary Parish and Matt Norlander. I mean, when they before the season, they were kind of you know chatting about it, and they were like, "Oh, how many games do we think are going to get lost this season due to forfeit? Like, do you think over under one?" Um, and that felt like a pretty reasonable guess at the time before this Omicron stuff or Omicron, however the heck people are saying it. Um, and now, as we know, everybody seems to be getting Omicron. Uh, I think Syracuse had fourteen members of their basketball program test positive out of. 18 or something, which is a wild stat. I mean, and yeah, it just doesn't make sense anymore. When you're all vaccinated and everybody's getting it, there shouldn't be a disincentive to forfeit those games. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense to try to reschedule. And if not, I have heard there seems to be one issue with getting rid of the forfeit rule, and I think it's why teams are holding on to it, is then you do kind of have an incentive to play up COVID concerns if you're going to be playing against an opponent that you think you're going to lose to. You know what I mean? So say you're playing a really good team and you have like one kid test positive and you're kind of trying to play it safe. You don't really want to play the game. You could forfeit, not take the loss if you don't have the forfeit rule. You know what I mean? Um, And then it's quote unquote like gaming the system. I don't know how relevant that is in the Big East when every game feels pretty competitive. I feel like if out of all leagues, we should be the one that would be the least worried about that happening. But I don't know, maybe late in the season it would become relevant. So Yeah, and I mean, you think about like last year where... I mean, we'll just talk about Georgetown specifically where we went on that COVID pause and those games were just never made up, right? Yep. We lost out on, I don't know how many games it was, but I, I think the conferences want these games to be played if possible because so you many should. of these games are getting, because these games, like, I, I don't know what the exact number is right now, but however many games have been, you know, next, I think they now are realizing that they can't have a season with this many, like, variables of what could have happened right like the the shoulda coulda woulda kind of scenarios are increasing by the day it seems like and i don't think these conferences like that so i I just think it makes sense for them to uh, go back on these rules and hopefully we'll be able to play these yeah for what it's worth it's 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 being reported that the big east is planning to at least talk about it and every power conference that has made an announcement is moving back on them i mean out of the 350 or 348 programs in d1 hoops 
I think 53 have been on pause and 40 of those in the last two or three days. So it, it seems like a no-brainer to me. Another thing yeah, I, yeah, I thought I was interesting, um, I, I don't know if you guys saw, I forget which conference it was, but one conference basically said if you have seven players who are eligible and one eligible coach, oh, yeah. then you know you have to play. So um, I, I forget the exact conference, but I thought that that was interesting and maybe some other conferences decide to adopt that policy as well. Yeah, I, I actually find that pretty funny. Like, I would love to see, like, Chuma Zinge, you know, Victor Mirasan, and the entire bench coached by uh, Coach Crouch going out there against Villanova and just seeing what they could do. I think that'd be a lot and of winning. Just and winning. Just Chuma coaching Gillespie. Ch- Chuma the- dropping a solid, like, you know, 25 and 10 in 30 minutes of play, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Not, yeah, not to say it should magical. happen. Not, not, you know, not, not to say that I want to see uh, half of this roster get COVID and all the coaching staff, but something about uh, Chuma being your number one option is really enticing right now. Yeah. And Jack, you were you were supposed to make it up to the province game, right? Yeah, it's a bummer. I would have uh, I would have probably been up there right now as we're recording this, but uh, but you know, yeah. hopefully hopefully it gets rescheduled for some point. We'll see. Yeah, but I gotta say, uh, Providence is one of those teams that we really do not match up well against in the Big East, right? With Nate Watson, I, like, I was at the game so, two years ago when we got blown out. I think it was the I think it was the first game. Uh, of conference play two years ago and McClung was hurt and it was, it was not, uh, not a great performance. Yeah, no. I, so, you know what, it would have been nice to have this game be played, but also maybe we don't want that embarrassment. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little too negative, a little too pessimistic, but like... another thing Armin is, you know, I, obviously it's a lot earlier in the season this year compared to last year, but you know, the last time we went on a, a COVID pause last year, I mean, we came back a totally different team. So, you know, that's that's one way of looking at it. Um, you know, I guess the situation's a little different, but, you know, things somehow, some way clicked a lot better, um, you know, after the pause than before last year. So hopefully the same thing happens. Uh, you know, I just feel bad with this timing because, like, the players would have gotten to have gone home and see their families for Christmas. And now with there being this little COVID scare in the program, like, I don't know if they'll be able to go home. So I just feel bad about that. Yeah, it's tough for sure. Well, we'll have to wait until Tuesday, I believe, um, it appears, for our next Toya Hoops. But until then, we have... Hopefully they'll be able to play that. Yeah, they better be. We do have some fun mailbag questions. Um, So we put out this on Twitter and Instagram, um, asking if anybody had any questions or comments to kind of contribute um, as we record this episode. So thank you to everyone who did reach out. All right, where do you fellas want to start? Oof. Um, I think the only reasonable question is, uh, <laughs> Bobby, uh, just, just a question for you. Uh, why didn't you make more shots and buckets for books i guess that's where yeah I'm, I'm taking i'm taking a lot of heat for this online um i didn't expect georgetown basketball accounts to be peeved by the quality of buckets for books participants um and i think everyone should remember that not only am i an, a student i'm not even a student athlete i'm merely a student um and 
it should be a little respected that I'm going to classes every day, putting in the work, um, and I prefer not to be flamed online for my free throw shooting abilities. You know, for as, what it's worth, a, this as, was as back the Dartmouth media. game. Would you give it a second chance if they uh, if they asked you? That's funny you say that. So for context, I was the Buckets for Books participant during the Dartmouth game. Um, that was kind of while there was a lot of more hope for the season, I guess. Um, I made the layup, made the free throw right away. Felt like I, well, it rimmed out of the three-pointer like five times. So didn't win. Most recently at the TCU game, or it wasn't out the TCU game. It might have been the Howard game before. Um, I was also selected to do the musical hoops or musical layups. I don't really know what they're calling it. Um, at a, because there weren't a lot of students in attendance for that game. I got sec- I got third out of four. Uh, so it hasn't been a great run for the Vogel household in uh, Buckets for Books. And, I, again, I don't think it's worth flaming these kids in Buckets for Books. Like, they're trying their best. I mean, they're just trying to get their textbooks for the semester. But, Bobby, you're you know now this uh, social media personality as a co-host of this podcast. So... You know, I feel like you should be held to a slightly higher standard when it comes to your basketball abilities. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It felt it felt a little awkward wearing uh, like Zion, Zion's on and my Iverson jersey, and it, it wasn't a good enough showing to be wearing that. The guy told me he had to pick someone who looked like they'd at least make the free throw, and I, I sealed that for him. So, I mean, I, I did my job from a management perspective, but I do hope we can provide – uh, better better halftime entertainment in the future. For the record, the TCU kid made it to the half-court shot and hit hit the inside of the rim, and it came out. So he's had the best chance I've ever seen at Buckets for Bucks. So the stock might only be rising. But great question, yeah, and let's see but, who... Uh, oh, great question by Jay McSherry 21 it appears, asked that question. So yes, thank you. Who, who could that be? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Let's... let's uh, Let's move on from that because I feel like uh, you've gotten gotten your fair share of. Uh, um, but I guess where where should we go from here, guys? What do we think? All right, I like this one by Michael Givens. Do we have any chance to make the tournament without a conference tournament title? I think the gut would be like on paper, yes, you could win most of your games in the Big East and make it, but. From a likelihood perspective, probably not. All right. I mean, I, I just think, I think if we had if we had won the TCU game, um, there might have been a slightly better chance. You know, I think that would have been, made us uh, what seven and four instead of six and five um, in non-conference yeah, play. Decent. But you know, yeah, I think at this point it's going to take a really, really good showing. Um, you know, against the Big East competition. Um, in order to get an at-large bid, um, otherwise, you know, we just have to, we'd have to win the conference tournament again, which we all know is, is you know, not crazy far-fetched. Um, Especially after a COVID pause. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we'll I, you know, I think the only way we get an at-large bid at this point is if we literally like run the table and win every game from here on out, or at least like. Go on a very. I think you go. Monster. I think you win 14. 14 in Big East play, plus one or two in the tournament. Uh, that might do it, but I don't know. The St. Joe's loss and the Dartmouth loss aren't aging particularly well either. No, either unfortunately. No, they're not. Yeah. No, I want you to know that uh, somebody decided to jinx uh, a nice Dar- Dartmouth Stanford game on Twitter. You know, while they were winning, and then all of a sudden, the second the tweet goes out, they decide to blow a nine-point lead and lose in overtime. But you know, 
No, nobody we it know, happens. of course. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, nobody we know. It it was uh, tragic. Those losses are looking not too great right now. But you know what? From is it possible for us to make the tournament at large? Yes, anything is possible. But from a likelihood perspective, I don't think it's gonna happen. Sadly. Yeah, I mean, it's fun that we can even still kind of look forward to it for now. Yeah. All right, fun. next question, guys. Um, I if think you could uh, have any one guest on the podcast. Uh, I like this question. Who would it be? Would it be? Yeah, it's a great question by LC Polo. I I would personally, I want to have Coach Clinton Crouch on the podcast. That's a great I answer. He would be an amazing character to have on here. You know, laugh it up, talk some talk some Georgetown hoops. Just, I think he'd be a great time. What do, What do you think, Bobby? I mean, I have to go Patrick Ewing. If we could have a chance to talk to Patrick Ewing yeah, himself, see, yeah. that would, of course, be, I think, the biggest, like, most exciting person besides maybe Amin Muhammad or Dante Harris. But I, I think Patrick Ewing has to be my answer for that. See, I, I, I think he would be an, a hilarious guy to have on because I think he has a personality that not a lot of people see. Like, I, I don't know... I don't know how many times you guys have actually been into the, uh, the uh, media availabilities and the uh, post-game uh, press conferences with him, but, like, the number of, like, little jokes and, like, jabs he makes at his players are absolutely hilarious. And I think yeah. he would be such a funny person to have. But also my, my other answer, I was thinking about, like, uh, like a Jamarco picket, like an Omer Yurt 7, because – they're like tearing it up right now, and I feel like they'd be really cool to talk to. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we would take any current or former player. Oh yeah. Oh. No, no. We're saying, Bobby. We're saying no to actually everybody who has to come on this podcast. You know, <laughs> you know, this is a valuable time we've got here. But uh, I think the two of them would be very cool to have on. Um, Jack, who do you got? Yeah, Jack. You got to answer this. All right, fine. I, I like this question a lot. Um, I think my favorite Hoya in the league is Jeff Green, so that would be very cool. Um, but then I also, I think at some point, friend of the towel already, but uh, Jagan Mosley would be pretty cool to get him back on the podcast or back back in a Thompson's towel setting. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah, I got to say, when I was able to meet Jagan, he was one of the most genuine people, like literally I've ever met. So, Jagan, if you're listening... You know, you got you got you got an invite lined up again. One of those valuable invites. Whenever you want. Um, yeah. So I guess let's move on from that. Another really good question from maybe one of our editors who, you know, you know may or may not have been on this podcast once. But what's your ideal rotation look like once Harris and Ego FA are at full health and can slash should all three centers get minutes? I think that's a very good question from our friend Jacob Vanderswag. So, Bobby, what do we think? My answer is, um, I mean, I think the rotation changes. I mean, we've seen the gumbo. I, if you asked me this question weeks ago, I would never have expected that Beard and Dante on the floor would look as great as it did. That looked great. From the center position specifically, though, yes, I think all three should be getting minutes right now. Um, we've kind of seen it. If, if one center's playing well, I think Ewing's done a good job of just riding with him. I think it's kind of a game-by-game -game basis. 
Vlad, who's doing well. If you need the size, go with Tim. You need a little more offense, go with Ryan. But I mean, Malcolm's giving you a great offense too. So I'm for playing all of them, kind of feeling it out on a game by game basis on just who's on that day. What, what, do, what do you think, Jack? Yeah, I mean, I I think from the center's um, perspective, I think when Tim is back healthy, I do think we'll probably see all three of them in the rotation getting minutes. Um, I think Malcolm and and Ryan, like especially down the stretch, I thought I think it looked really good. Um, you know, especially defensively, like I think they they had like three and two blocks respectively or something like that against TCU, uh, and they were also doing a pretty good job on the board. So like. You know, even if they're not giving you a ton offensively, um, you know, the de- from the from the defensive side of things and on the boards, um, you know, that's really important. And I think when Tim comes back, he's going to give you a lot of that as well. So, um, and then another thing to point out, I, you know, I think at this point it seems like Jordan Riley's probably done for the season. So I, I think even if he's not playing, you know, uh, direct like the direct ball handler role at the one. I think Tyler Beal would probably see a lot more minutes in the rotation, um, you know, whether he's playing the two or something like that. But, you know, he, with, with Riley done for the year, he'll, he'll definitely see, I'd say, probably, you know, at least 10 minutes a game, I would say. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think that it's going to be a little tough to get all three centers minutes just because I, I think uh, Ewing's made it pretty clear that he wants to play like – or he wants to play to win – and playing three centers when you're also trying to rotate, you know, through your bench as well is going to be tough to do. But I think it's doable. Um, also, I think we've seen with his, like, willingness to go small recently that he might not even play centers in general, right? So, like, whether yeah. or not... Yeah, it's true. They, you're mixing, right? You almost have four different styles exactly. you're mixing in. Exactly. So, I, I think it'll be tough. But I think they will all see time. Like I thought that Malcolm looked great against TCU, right? He, you know, yeah. he might not be lighting up the score sheet, but like he's contributing to this team and uh, the game. So I think that they will get time. But like, okay, so let's ask the second part of that question, right? Wait. What's our yeah. ideal rotation looking like? Like, what, what do you, who do you start, right? What are you gonna? Um, What's your first guy off the bench and all that something? What's the rotation with now three centers? So I I did the I did the center preview, um, you know, at the at the beginning of the year for us, and I I thought I thought you know it would be where each guy kind of gets you know a certain number of minutes each game. I thought you know Tim would probably get the most, which I think once he's back healthy, I do think that will continue, and I think Tim will probably be in there the most at least right. I think he'll probably start. Um, you know, and I think Tim gives you the the most from a defensive side of things. Um, you know, but I, and I, you know, I don't know. I, I said at the beginning of the year I thought Tim would play like twenty, and then you know you can't. You have to make sure you're not hurting Matumbo's you know ability to you know get better over the course of the year. So I do think he needs to get you know a certain number of minutes per game at this point, especially considering he's already played a, you know a decent amount. Um, so, you know, I think Matumbo maybe would get, like, you know, 10 to 15, and then Malcolm would get the rest of that. But, you know, I don't know. Okay, I, I think yeah. that's fair. Um, but, like, when, when it comes to, like, the full rotation, I personally, and I may or may not be writing an article on what I think the lineups, you know, how they could change. So maybe keep an eye out for that. But I think that even with a healthy Timothy Goefe, 
I think Patrick Ewing should still err on the side of playing small ball, maybe giving each center 10 minutes a game and then having, you know, the small ball fill up that last 10 minutes or whatever, maybe, I don't know what the breakdown would be, but ideally, ideally my rotation would have Dante Harris, obviously at the one, um, you put a Donald carry at two an amino at the three Caden at four and then Colin Holloway at the five. I think having that with, uh, with who, who do I leave out there? Um, and with your centers coming off the bench, I think that's a very more potent offense than having Tyler Beard be your sixth man. I think that opens opportunities, kind of what we saw in the Syracuse game, where they can create mismatches that other teams just won't know what to do with, especially in the Big East, because we know it's going to be tough in the Big East. Like, I think we all know that wins are going to be tough to come by. So doing anything in your power to kind of make it tough for those other teams who might be slightly better than us, I think is going to be huge. Totally. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. All right, I have kind of a side point, if I can bring it up. Yeah, let's hear it. So, I'm not sure if you guys saw this um, online, but the Fox College Hoops account had the top-scoring freshman um, of all time, one-and-dones, and this year. Um, and it kind of got brought into some Hoya media because Aminu Muhammad's actually fifth with 14.6 points per game. That's the fifth-highest um, freshman score in a major conference this year. Um... They had Justin Lewis of Marquette at fourth. Now, yeah, it's super weird. So Justin Lewis has 15.3 points per game, but he played 21 games last year. So I was reading into it a little bit and people talking online. And what Marquette has done is they've designated their freshmen as redshirt freshmen, even though they're sophomores academically now. And all right. Here's why I think it's stupid. I, some people are saying, oh, it makes more sense because it reflects their eligibility. But what about Malcolm Wilson? Malcolm Wilson is going to have six total academic years of eligibility, if, if, if that makes sense. Because he has his actual redshirt year and he has the COVID year. So I don't know. I know that's kind of a side point. But I just wanted to say, I don't th- I don't know what you would call Malcolm Wilson than a double redshirt freshman. So actually, it's, or double it's redshirt. Funny, funny you bring this up because... When I was taking the train back from D.C. after uh, after the uh, I finished my tests, I got bored. And instead of studying for my last final, which was online, I put together a spreadsheet of like eligibility and all that stuff because everything was so messed up last year. And I mean, technically, by that logic, we have freshman Dante Harris, right? We have freshman Colin Holloway. We have redshirt freshman Malcolm Wilson. Right. So, yeah. In theory, yeah. in theory, let's see. We have one, Double two, three, four, freshman Malcolm Wilson. five, six, seven. We have nine players on this roster currently who have uh, four years of eligibility. So that's that's awesome. It's a little scary, but that's awesome. Don Carey still has another year too, right? If he wanted to. I you know I think that's been. I don't know actually. I think I, it's like debated. I'm pretty sure Don could have another year. I thought he came with two years of eligibility to Georgetown, and then he also has the the COVID year. So yes, that that, that would make sense. Um, I think you're right. I think yeah. Not to get too deep in the weeds on roster uh, roster uh, kind of future, but 
But I, I thought it was an interesting point and one worth acknowledging that Malcolm Wilson is essentially a freshman. Well, yes, Mal- Malcolm Wilson, by the time he graduates, will have a PhD and a master's degree. So um, maybe we'll be calling him Dr. Malcolm Wilson when he steps on the court. You know, you know how cool that would look on a jersey? <laughs> Dr. Wilson? Oh, my God. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, I would actually love to see that. I think that's one way, you know, marketing, market Dr. Malcolm Wilson. Um, but, okay. Dr. W. <laughs> Dr. W. Hey, who knows? If he continues to progress, we might have a, the legend of Dr. W on our hands. Um, I like that. Let's see. Where, where else should we go now? Should we go one more mailbag question? Yeah, I think that's... Sure. Um, actually, I got one. From JWEX36 on Instagram, what is a reasonable goal for Ryan Matumbo's development by the end of this season? I, I mean, with, with Ryan, I think we've seen that he has a lot of potential. He's a very kind of raw guy who can shoot, right? He has the offensive game, and it's just whether or not yeah. he can develop into a you know more solid defensive player, which he's already started to do. I think we've seen that in the past couple of games. He's definitely gotten a little better. Um, so personally, I would just love to see him – continue to grow defensively a little bit. I don't think it need, you know, he doesn't need to be blocking five shots a game while grabbing 12 rebounds and scoring 14 points for us to consider it successful development. Totally. Just, totally. just some semblance of progression. And I think this is just a big theme that I've, I think we've touched on a lot so far. Just showing progress is going to be the biggest thing for this team. Since this year is so you know, it's going to be so tough in the Big East with everybody being good, basically. Wins are going to be nice, but you can't expect wins on a nightly basis. So rather, you have to look for the more intangible things, right? The things that aren't going to show up on the score sheet, things that just show that in the next couple of years, these players will become, you know, competent college basketball players who can help a team win. Yeah, I, I agree pretty much with what Armin said on Matumbo's development. Um, I think another thing that we know he's capable of doing is shooting from the outside. I mean, he hit that – I forget which game it was. I think it was one of the games over Thanksgiving when he drilled a three. Um, so, like, he has that in his arsenal. Um, you know, I don't think it's kind of – you know, he ha- he's had the ability to kind of showcase that much with kind of how we run our offense and stuff. Um, but you know, like that was kind of Jesse Govan esque when he hit that three. Um, so, you know, he's got a lot, um, a lot of abilities offensively, but yeah, I think, you know, like Armin said, the main thing I want to see is just him continuing to develop, uh, defensively and, and, you know, holding his own around the rim. Yeah. I, I think everyone, everything you guys have said makes a lot of sense. I think he said it in a press conference once, but, um, just not going to be on the baseline feels like the most glaring thing that he's working on. And I feel like he has progressed, at least from like a, you know, a student fan perspective. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's already progressing well. And in, in what you've said, just moving, making moves on the defensive level and maybe getting a little bit of that Govan, Yurtsevin-esque uh, three-point game mixed in as well. So, totally with that. Yeah. All right. All right. Bobby, take it away. Sounds good. Actually, that kind of leads us next into the next thing we kind of wanted to talk about, which is some of the Hoyas in the pros if you will, um, and how they're doing. So 
Jack, have you heard uh, any news about any of our pro so, bowlers? I, I don't know the exact uh, stat line, what he had the other night, but I know he had an awesome uh, uh, dunk, uh, Omer Yurtsevin. Uh, I forget. I don't know who they were playing exactly, uh, the Heat, but I know, you know, it sounds like he's, you know, really playing very well. Um, let me look at his numbers. Yeah, he's... Yeah, see, I'm, I'm not gonna awesome. say, not gonna say that COVID is, you know, doing good things for us, but the fact that there are all these people that are in COVID protocols in the NBA means that our friends in the bigs are going to get more looks, and that is leading to guys like Omer Yurtsevin going off um, and posterizing certain people. I mean, I think they're playing the. Pacers, it looks Harman, like. I'm looking at it right now. He's had he's had their last three games. He's had double digit rebounds. So and he's playing like yeah. you know 20 plus minutes a game. So yeah, at no, least exactly. in, that, in that stretch. And, so, and Jamar Pickett has been, has been tearing up the G he's League. He's been unbelievable in the G League to the point where I'm like, why are the, why, stats are insane. Why are the Pistons not like giving him an opportunity? I mean, I don't think the Pistons are. Well, I, well, didn't Jeremiah Grant get hurt? I think. I think he's been out. Yeah, he's going to get minutes because the Pistons also just exercised their first hardship contract, which means they have at least two guys um, sick or injured probably because of COVID. So expect Pickett to potentially get some more Pistons rather than Motor City minutes. But if besides that, he's, he's looked awesome. Really, Absolutely awesome. He's been really great. And I, I, I can't wait to see him get the opportunity, you know, at the uh, the NBA level. I'm, you know, he since he got the, uh, the initial opportunity with the Pistons, he's – been you know really really just run with it and and you know pretty much done everything he possibly can to you know to play consistently yeah so it's it's really yeah, he's a great thing to see an, as a george an animal yeah yes all right and i should make one note of what some may call awkward news i will call it peripherally georgetown basketball news mac mcclung is signing a 10-day contract with the bulls this will Formally make him Patrick Ewing's third NBA Hoya, correct? Yurtsevin, Pickett, and Mac. In theory, yes. comfortable saying that? I don't know. I, yeah, so... I, I, I heard uh, there's some rumors that he might might be uh, wearing the number 23. I mean, uh, you know, just in, in the Mac McClung fashion, you know, making the spotlight on him. But good for, good for Patrick Ewing for getting another guy there, you know? Yeah, I honestly think we've seen recruits talk about McClung in the past as a reason they were interested or committed to Georgetown, um, even after McClung transferred. I do think McClung's development, and we've spoke about it on, on, on the towel before, but he was a guy who did not have a lot of high major offers, and Ewing gave him op- an opportunity. He set up a good system. It worked for Mac for, I mean, as long as Mac was at Georgetown, and we know it's happened since. But keep your eye out. January 1st. The Bulls come to Capital One Arena to play the Wizards. This is big news. I don't know when McClung's 10-day contract like kicks into effect, if you will, but there's a pretty solid chance that Wizards game at Capital One will be included in that 10-day period. So you may see McClung back in Capital One Arena, not quite in the blue and gray, in the little black and red. I mean, yeah, I have to think he'll still probably be up with uh, with them by that point, given the way things are going, um, you know, across the NBA. He'll probably still be with the Bulls. Yeah, it's exciting. And also, kind of as a little update, Pickett's on his two-way contract, right? So that's a that's like a half, half a million dollar contract where he's playing G League and NBA, if you're unfamiliar. 
That could turn into a regular contract after this season or not. It just depends on what teams are looking for. Yurtsevin's contract is a two-year, $4.5 million deal, as has been reported for each of these, as has been reported. Um, so if he keeps playing well through the duration of this season and next season, I mean, the sky's the limit for Yurtsevin, too. He's a, he's a very unique NBA NBA prospect. And how about Otto Porter Jr., too, also on a, on a very good Warriors team. So I figured we'd have to put that point that out as well. Yeah, yeah. and Jeff Green. Jeff Green's still putting up the numbers. On I, I want to see Jeff Green get his ring. Or Utah, Utah. Uh, it was tragic that the Nets didn't win last year. I know. He, you know what? Jeff Jeff Green was the heart and soul of that Nets team, and they didn't win. So I was very disappointed about that. I became a Nets fan. I transitioned from Knicks to Nets just because of him, and now I'm back on the Knicks bandwagon. Sadly, but I, we're oh, we're tough. rooting for our Hoyas. Maybe Otto Porter will get it this year. Yeah, for anybody looking for belated Christmas presents, pretty much any of these players um, can have their jerseys purchased. I know Jack McSherry was given the ultimate gift of a Chudier Belay Greensboro Swarm G League jersey. It, 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 Jack, is, is it not pretty classic? No, it's, I, I, uh, I wore it to uh, the Q's game, uh, which is pretty awesome. So <laughs> definitely a nice, uh, nice Christmas gift. It, Certainly, I, I I don't think I've been, I haven't seen anything like it. I want to make everyone, uh, I want to make that very clear to everyone that it is quite the spectacle the Chudier Belay Greensboro Swarm jersey. So you know, not not to uh, not to tell you what to get people, but you know, may, maybe your Hoya fan in your life will uh, appreciate a nice jersey like that. Yeah, and I was looking it up. I think depending on the way co- the contracts work, some of the money goes directly to players, like as much as half of each jersey. So so. Something to keep in mind. Hey, support them Hoyas. Support them Hoyas. Um, okay, and then I guess the last little thing that we want to touch on today was the idea of transfers. I know this has been talked about a little bit recently on uh, the Hoya Twitterverse, but with the injury to uh, – obviously we had Timothy OFA, um, but now Jordan Riley most likely yep. being out for the season, we have – roster spots to fill and i mean what which year was it 2019 i think where we had literally seven guys who could play and i don't think patrick ewing wants that to happen again to his team so since this team is pretty beat up i think it's definitely a time to start to consider looking to you know mid-season transfers because there are a decent amount of guys out there who could you know have immediate eligibility and come in for the second semester and play. Yeah, I mean, was it the uh, was it the UMBC game? I think where we pretty much did play. You know, seven guys and that's it. Uh, you know, given the, um, I think Caden Rice and Billingsley were, uh, you know, were sick with something, and then a couple other guys were banged up. So you know, yeah, that was that was the Howard game. Depth never hurts. Yeah. So. yeah. No, it doesn't hurt. People have forgotten Kobe Clark's been. Um, reportedly dealing with a kind of injury. And, I mean, kind of the elephant in the room, we have an open scholarship spot because of the Trey King going to Iowa State thing. So uh, we can literally – we have an open spot in the spring because we only have 12 players currently on scholarship, assuming none of the walk-ons are on scholarship for the semester or anything like that. And what that means is we could potentially add someone who's immediately eligible. Um, And that puts us in a pretty unique spot – uh, I don't believe there are many high majors 
if any, that have that available scholarship position for the spring. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I, mean, I, I, I know some names some, have been thrown I, around. I think there are some decent players out there, too, to be picked up. I mean, I know there's uh, this guy, uh, there's James Graham from Maryland that uh, there was some talk about. You know, there was, there's also Wayne Bristol, who's been getting a lot of talk on uh, the Georgetown Twitterverse recently. Um, he's from Howard, who could kind of fill in. What do we think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking yeah. at Bob. Yeah, Bobby, you were looking at his, his numbers, right? Um, I, I, yeah, it's I was kind of hard, hard to find uh, from, like, I guess, his, I don't know if he if he played last year or. I think he was injured. We're talking about, um, speci- specifically talking about Wayne Bristol here. He, he played for Howard in the 2019-20 season and then sat out with an injury and um, if i'm not mistaken he was all uh what what are all they Miak, Miak, yeah. all, all Miak freshman team or mac yeah is it mac um i don't remember if it's mac or mac but yeah, the, the kid seems like a solid a solid player and he's also a sharpshooter which so you know and, and it, you know with jordan riley going down for the year you know like i said before depth never hurts and you know, just another weapon to add offensively would be huge. Yeah. Yeah, he shoots over 40% from three. Um, we, and especially we as the- we lose Caden Rice next year, um, we we are bringing in the Denver Anglin, who should be a really good shooter for us, but supplementing him um, might, might, might be kind of a nice idea. So I, I don't hate the move. If they like what they see, I've trusted Georgetown's ability to – recruit talent and identify talent thus far so by all means if they if they feel like they have something here i i, I trust i trust the uh, coaching staff yes i completely agree um, um yeah i think that's I about think, all we got I, right yeah so i guess uh if you guys liked what you've heard give us a follow rate us on the now both spotify and apple podcast and uh Reach out to us uh, at Thompson's Towel. We'd love to hear what you guys think. If you want to hear anything else, um, have any suggestions, please let us know. And uh, otherwise, just thank you for listening. And uh, have a good one. Hoy Saxa. Hoy Saxa. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it.